You're listening to Red Nation Online. Monday, October 24th. It's Andre Zadarazny, I'm Ian Clark, and it's 24 hours after Decision Day, and TFC finishing third in the East after a 3-2 win over the Chicago Fire. We discuss an up-and-down performance and what it means ahead of facing Philadelphia Wednesday night, weigh in on the discussion of what constitutes a successful campaign, the MVP debate, and finish simply looking forward to a home playoff match that stays in perspective of the last decade. As an added bonus and late pass, as a supplement, Andre delivers his thoughts on the Montreal Impact result for those still interested. All that and more on the next 45 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. I'm going to leave it in. I'm going to leave it in, too. Uh, okay, Andre, here we are. It's, Hello. Uh, it's a day after the game. I guess we needed some time to... Uh, adjust. Adjust. Figure it out. Figure, Come down. Figure maybe, let, maybe let the dust settle yeah. on this uh, inc- incredible end of season. Incredible. Yeah, fifth place finish. Yeah. No, we finished third. Third, yeah. Uh, that was the first thing I'll be editing. Fifth, we would have been... A- <laughs> First thing I have to edit. Fifth, no, it was fifth overall. That's what it was. Oh, I think. fifth overall. I think we finished fifth overall. That was what it was. Third in the division. Uh, the most important thing to come out of this 3 2 uh, victory over Chicago Fire was, of course, uh, the game that was New York against Columbus, where that result would have played a part in whether or not Toronto got a bye. Uh, we would have finished second and avoided that this first uh, you know, play in to get to the. And we waited with bated breath. We were into it there yeah, for a minute. There, totally. that, was, that was at one point that was the most exciting part of the match. Yeah, <laughs> was <laughs> waiting to see what the score of the Columbus uh, New York game. Yeah. But alas, it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Uh, New York pulled it off, and it, both New York teams finished first yeah. and second. Toronto comes in third, yeah. and as first a result, time ever, we wouldn't know anything about that. No, um, <laughs> Montreal's done it. I mean, in recent Vancouver, memory, Vancouver's Vancouver, done it. Yeah. NYCFC have done it. Yeah. Oh, right. So with, the, with that result, Toronto now plays Philadelphia Union uh, at home at BMO Field. And I think the initial thing is, uh, you know, you sort of think, all right, we're third, they're sixth. They look terrible. Yeah, looks like easy easy pickings, right? However, uh, this is this damn Toronto, rotten apples. Yeah, this is Toronto City we're talking about. Yeah. And uh, I don't think anything is given. And I think one, one, one benefit that we, is of not, we didn't do the podcast right after the game, we're doing it. The day after is that we're already seeing things um, develop in terms of discussion about this team and the end of the season and how people are viewing it and Post framing mortal. it. Well, it's not over yet, but yeah. still, everybody's talking. It seems like yeah. people are already trying to jockey a narrative about what this season is, what it means if Toronto gets by Philadelphia, if Philadelphia, if they don't get by Philadelphia, et cetera, et cetera. 
Uh, well, let's, you know, and the first thing I would say before we dig too deep in that, um, maybe broad strokes on the game against Chicago. Um, you know, we, we were obviously in the stands. There was points where I was saying to you where I was feeling, looking, feeling frustrated in their performance. You know, Chicago's been quite poor this season. And uh, concerns that I have for that kind of performance against one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, you know, we're supposed to be a contender at home. There's just a there's just a level of play. What would you have liked to have seen? Well, I wouldn't have. I would have liked to have seen not a three-two result uh, against a terrible team like Sloppy this. So two, goal. two goals. First goal was poor. Yeah. Second goal was lazy. Ball watching, yeah. And then it's just it's just you know. The, and we were down. And it, it's not. It's more than just the 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 result. You know, we sure we scored three goals. That was great. But the game had like real peaks and valleys and like high highs and low lows. And I think you expect from a team that's a contender is to be a more consistent level of intensity. Exactly. um, You know, a consistent uh, level of technique and, you know, clinical play that we didn't see. You know, Toronto opened up looking good with Jovinko specifically, I think, kind of being the one who was creating the chances. And then that rest of that first half until his penalty, I just, I, you know, you saw me. I was just yeah. sitting back in my chair with my arms folded, just being like, what are we watching here? Like, yeah. this, is, this is brutal. And we've seen this from Toronto with regularity that the first half's been really That's boring. what we're most consistent in, is inconsistency. And we don't, you're right, 3-2 three, three, against the lowly Chicago Fire is unacceptable. I mean, we have the quality of, you know, Arguably, we have the quality to dismantle Chicago Fire pretty easily, I think. But MLS has always been that kind of league that is, you know, one one day you're up, next day you're down. So, but for what we've had to see and what, what this team has accomplished, albeit a little bit in the last ten years, and the team that we have the most, we have had the most solidity at this point, probably in the in in the entire entire history of the organization. And good, good players that want to play, I think, you should be taking that team apart by making a, a statement of intent. And there never has been. Bradley always has a lot of sound bites, and he talks a lot of bullshit to me. You know, at the end of the game, we got to push forward. Oh, we're ready. We've made a, you know, today, I think, on TorontoFC.ca, he was a little video of him talking about, you know, now we've, we've done, we had a good game, and now we have to move on to the playoffs. But he may be thinking that. I don't know, you know, because he has to, I feel. He's getting paid to do so. But as a fan, I worry about it. And, and to be lackadaisical when they had no reason to be lackadaisical. 53 points is a league, I mean, a history best, a career best, or whatever you want to say for Toronto FC. Yep. But there's more to it. We, we could have had a bye. We could have not sat back in the last two or three weeks and really made it happen and really pushed and showed Toronto. You want to show the fans rather than your montages and all your bullshit? Show us that you want to go out there and win two, three, four, nothing. It's clearly a clean sheet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I didn't. I mean, I am with you. I didn't. I didn't see it. I mean, I'm happy for the win. Fifty-three points is great. Applause, applause, applause. And getting into the playoffs early is a, is a is a great. But because it's beating a dead horse at this point. But come on, get in there, play, and be the strong team that it looks like you are on paper. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's. You know, we look at uh, the game at hand. You know, they did pick it up in the second half and did start to show who they are. But then that's, you know, the concern you have. And what we saw in this Chicago game is, and, you know, the question is, is Philadelphia the team that will do this? Is that, I think if a team comes out and outplays Toronto in the first half, 
then you're behind the eight ball. You have to come back. And we've seen from Toronto of late, especially in the game, that Chicago was able to score again later in the game. You know, Toronto got a bit lazy. Um, like we said, they got in a cup. They kind of got caught watching the play around them, and Chicago made a, a close game of one that it never should have been. Should never have been, yeah. Um, and they were a team that had nothing on the line, right? They had nothing to lose, nothing to gain. Oh, like Philadelphia that. is going to come in to BMO yeah. with nothing to lose yeah. and everything to gain, yeah. and they, they'll probably just hang it all out there. Uh, 2009 New York Red Bull final, that the game that could have got us our first playoffs. We choked on a rainy, rainy pitch. Yeah. Right? Like capitulated and that's that's in the blood i guess and that's i mean we didn't lose this game but like you said you know easily could have it could have been 3-3 if they had more time i mean they had a couple chicago have a couple dangerous players right their dp is really dangerous yeah. and he was playing everywhere and a couple of beautiful like there was a time the chicago the fire in the second half made a beautiful one and one pass I was like, wow, why can't we do something like that? Like, tore our back line ap- apart. Yeah. We were, oh, the like, one we were wow. talking about where they, within three passes, yeah. they went from the, they like, went, the midfield yeah. into the 18-yard box. Yeah. Who's, the, who's the DP's name? Akam. Akam. And in that first half, remember I, I said he was on the left, touched the playoff, he ran, was gone, and they got back to him in the box. Luckily, we had good defense at that time, but still, you know, yeah. that's dangerous stuff. I don't think there's a DP that we have that is really like, other than, okay, Givanko's super dangerous, and I get that, but... When you're like everybody is on the same page, and Chicago Fire, even though they're they seem to be a very bad team, objectively, but there are moments of brilliance. I didn't really see that yesterday with Toronto. And maybe this is a point where we'll talk about it maybe in a greater context. But I mean, the game, the game ends three two. The season is over, the regular season. Um, you know, how do you look at the 2016 season for Toronto FC before the playoffs come around? And for you, does does your review or, or you know the context you put the season in does it hinge on these playoff games? Uh, I guess I would say yes and no. Yes, in the fact that you always want your team, I mean your home team, to to do very well. I mean, blanket statement, yes. But in the playoffs, I mean, it's, it's almost a tale of two two seasons, right? That's how always always playoffs are. There's teams that. Uh, that stink and barely get in, and then they win. They win the league, or they win win the MLS Cup. I think who who is it? Well, we, the Red Bulls got yeah, their the, final in two thousand yeah. two thousand eight. It was Columbus and New York. New York got in the eighth seed, and then if I'm not mistaken, the year that it was Dallas and Colorado. Uh, I think Colorado was seventh, um, and then one year that the Galaxy won it, they got in through the wild card playoff or play in. Um, it's not uncommon. Yeah. So it's it's. The, the season itself for me, I would have to separate and say that it was objectively a better season than last year because we didn't, mainly because we made the playoffs earlier than we did last season, right? And, and then the playoffs, we'll have to see. Philadelphia is not going to be an easy game. We can't take that for granted, but we'll have to see. Yeah. Um, I think my thoughts are that, I mean, you can't, you can't look, I don't think, as much as you're like, yeah, you look at MLS season as the yeah, other's regular season, the playoffs. But I mean, the playoffs is the payoff, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And as much as a team, you know, it's 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 tricky because you know you can have a a steady season and finish well, but it's unfortunately the way the season goes is that you have to gain momentum in those last few weeks of the season, 
And that's kind of what you've seen from past MLS Cup champions is that as the seasons got down in those last couple weeks, the MLS Cup winners are usually the ones that in those last in that last month are showing good results. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, we haven't. So you have to you, know, you have to take something away from that uh, when you consider it. Yeah, there's been good games. You know, I look at a season like that as well. It's like, you know, I'm a season ticket holder. So I also place value on what I'm watching. You know, it's not just about boring results. Uh, you know, I do want to see some sort of quality of football and I want to see some sort of semblance of a system or tactics or something going on that's, you know, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. Uh, and I feel you know, some confidence or pride in the team that I support. And, um, you know, this year was a bit of a mixed bag because I kind of felt that that stretch where we were missing Jovinko. You know, you kind of like you're watching these games and, you know, and, and it was this last home stretch I thought was a real disappointment where we were playing some very poor teams and we just couldn't pull our shit together. I mean, we, we nil-nil draw with Orlando, 1-1 draw with Philadelphia. And there's something, there's a, there's a caveat when we're coming up against... Philadelphia. Now, granted, we didn't have Jovinko. However, Philadelphia have been brutal this last run of games, and their only results have been against Toronto <laughs> and at home to Montreal. Yeah. And their only result was a 1-1 draw at BMO Field. So there is a little something there to kind of keep in the back of our minds that as much as I think people are building this narrative of how terrible Philadelphia is... Yeah, I always be careful with that kind of talk. You know, Toronto hasn't proven itself to be. You, we haven't. We're not a mighty team. We're not a team that you know. Oh yeah, we'll steamroll that team. I mean, of course, anything can happen in sport, right? Right. But I, I'm not confident on the for the Wednesday game. I was really crossing my fingers. I mean, as all of us were, that we would have the bye. I think we need the week. I mean, it's good to see Giovanco play two full games. Yeah. Right. And he, but he's looked. He's I mean, his touch is a little off, right? Okay, he's been injured for six, seven weeks, right? So that's gonna happen, which is good that that Vanny played him for two games. I mean, it's much needed. Ninety minutes, no, yeah, no, no extra to. injuries. He had to, he had no choice because he needs some fit, match fit, and practice all he wants. But he needs to be in the mix. So we'll see how we. Maybe he'll snap into it for uh, the Wednesday game, and and they don't have to travel, which is good. And they're you know not that it would be a far distance anyway, but still, they can relax, relax, spend some time, you know. To, to contemplate and what this really means. Um, and you mentioned Jovenko. We're kind of like, I think we're going to bounce around a little bit here because um, this is a bit of a sidebar. But uh, if I got my statistics right, he finishes the season with 17 goals, 15 assists. And on the game against Chicago, he scores the penalty. Um, he had several shots um, towards target, some really close ones. Uh, and then he got an assist on one of the goals. Uh, you know, there's been some talk of who is the MLS MVP for this season, and I think the names that are kind of being bandied about are obviously um, Bradley Wright Phillips at New York, who had another outstanding year. I think he finished with 23 goals. Uh, David Villa had a really good season. Of course, New York finished as well as they did. Um, some have said Jordan Morris over at uh, Seattle Sounders, who carried a lot of the load on, who, you know, really is a shell of their former self, Seattle Sounders. Um, without him, I think they would have been much worse off. You know, where do you, where do you rate Jovinko on his, this campaign? And do you think he's, st- how much of a contender? My thoughts are, I would imagine, the league wants, would probably want to mix it up 
which is kind of bullshit if you ask me. Um, As much as Bradley Wright Phillips uh, had a great season, I just think that those numbers of 17-15, it's almost untouchable. With with games missed. Yeah. Yeah. It's Um, almost untouchable. I mean, and and I have to say that, you know, the, the type of assists and the type of goals that he scores are still just... There still is there. I just, I mean, David Villa obviously had some beautiful goals, and Bradley Wright Phillips is a clinical finisher. But Jovinko, the stuff that he can do, I, I think just, I just still think he's on another level than yeah. almost any other DP or top player in the but league. But is that is that what to give give someone the MVP award is because he can he, he scores really pretty goals? Well, then that's I mean the the other part of the MVP obviously the most valuable yeah. player. Where does that team stand without them? Well, then I we mean, had a taste yeah, of it for yeah, the last yeah. six weeks. I mean, we are a better team, definitely with him in than out. We need him. So I yeah, mean, did, I mean, like you, we, we, you watched the last yeah. games from the last from yeah. six weeks. What I mean, this is that's that's Toronto C without yeah. Jovinko, a team that ties, draws yeah. the, the the worst teams in the league at home. It's hard, it's harder for them to do what they need to do without his talent and his vision. I mean, Bradley is. Bradley's Bradley. I mean, he's a he's a good enough player, um, but he's no you know Altidore's. They're all specific type of players, and they don't run like crazy. They're not they're not everywhere on the pitch, and we don't have anybody like like you know like Gio. We need we need someone like him. Other players are fast, but they don't have they lack you know like the clinical finish, the the touch on the ball, oh, yeah. the speed, the agility, all these things that make him a wonderful player, and. You know, but does that make him an MVP? I think for Toronto FC, but I would I would probably hesitate to have him MVP for MLS this year because he did miss those games. And, and you're right, in the, it, the, it's like he's concentrated power. You know, he's he's done all that stuff in a limited time. But um, I think MLS will make it. Will will switch it up and they'll take that into account. Um, uh, Phillips, I think, would probably be the better choice simply for the fact that you know he's. He's, you know, if it's a, if it's all the golden boot and all these things come into context, I think, you know, how many goals you're scoring and how many games you're playing, you know, I think if we're talking on a more, on a level that, that's not, that's anti-bureaucracy or anti like big MLS, MLS, but I think you're right. And he would be MVP because of that short amount of time. But if you're asking the question, I think you're asking is how MLS going to look at it. And well, I think they'll go with someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think. They'll throw the Red Bulls. I don't. I, this is the wrong way to put it. Throw them a bone. <laughs> but I just think it's, you know, you kind of like if a team finishes strong, you know, first place, um, there is a, there's some added yeah. recognition for you know the, maybe the player that contributed most. And Via Via's older too, right? You know, yeah. and his good days. I mean, not to take anything away from him, but his his good days are behind him. And to still score as many goals still as he did. Still score some sick you know, goals, and, and, though. You yeah, know I'm not like, going to take that away from him. But I think when they're going to look at MVPs, I think they want younger players, I would think. You know? How, what, I would say, I don't even know. I'm so shitty at stats. But the, was, who's the oldest MVP in the history of the league? Oh, wow, okay. That's a good question. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, would, I wouldn't even know off the top of my head. I'd have to, like, I'd have to look, look at it up. I'll look it up. But I would probably hesitate to say that not not many 30 plus year olds. Yeah, that's a pretty good uh, random trivia question yeah, there, Andre. Well, Who's the oldest MVP? MVP in, in the history of MLS. Huh. It'd probably be someone who was probably who's old now but was young then. You know what I mean? Like like Landon Donovan or something when he was in his 20s or something. I'm yeah. sure he's been. I guarantee he's. Yeah, there's got to be, but there must have been a. What's with him coming back? What the hell is that about? 
Well, I don't want to talk about it, but still, it seems yeah. strange. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so here's the other... As we, you know, Wait, we, so what you're saying MVP for him, correct? If I'm... I, I think... I think he is. Yeah. I don't think the league will give it to him. So we agree. Yeah, I think he is. I think he's the best player in the league. Yeah. And I think he's. The oh, most, by far. I think he yeah. is. I still I even think this year with those numbers, yeah. um, slightly diminished from the previous season, I still think that's mm-hmm. he's uh, he's the most valuable player because he not only scores the goals but he creates them. Yeah. I mean the com- the combined points yeah. that he has is just. Far, how, how many far points ahead. has he saved for us or gotten for us this year? That's oh, another, another yeah, that's an, yeah, that's another one. Because that's I mean, you, this last game, you could say that's yeah. that's on him, right? Because he gets the goal and the assist, yeah. and um, and we needed, you know, we're yeah, we're not. Are we talking about the game? Are we going to talk about the game? Well, I, where did that where did that penalty come from? Um, yeah, like that came like, shocking. Everybody was looking at each other like, "Huh? How did that even?" Was happen? it a handball? Was it a? Foul? I think it might have been a handball. Yeah, I didn't see anyone go. It would have made sense for us to have like rewatched the highlights, maybe before we just pot- Well, but, we're both very busy, so yeah, you do what you can. Um, I think the other thing, the the other part of this, Andre, that I kind of want to talk about is, um, uh, you know, without without getting too ranty, <laughs> it's uh, although that is a specialty. That is, side, yes. is East Side stand up. Yeah. But um, you know, first first home playoff game, and granted, there is some excitement about it. Uh, you know, I just kind of you kind of realize that you know MLS MLSE always and TFC always find a way to kind of just make it feel wrong in the way that they kind of like overhype and you know you know. They shoot off fireworks, like, you know, every congratulating seconds, them. Yeah. yeah, every two seconds. You know, the players walk on the field. Oh, let's shoot some fireworks <laughs> off, you know. Any, any reason they have to, like, kind of create some sort of celebratory atmosphere yeah. of, like, hey, look, we got up and tied our, put our pants on, our clothes on forward today. <laughs> let's celebrate this. Uh, can I tell you something? On, as of yesterday, when I would go on ESPNFC.com, whatever, or on my phone, a pop-up for the TFC, because I live in Toronto and blah, blah, blah the TFC um, playoffs buy your tickets like it just pop up yeah on random well they, they were selling that during the game so yeah. clearly the game the first playoff game is not sold out no um, and I know someone who bought a ticket today uh, to it so they're still trying to get those those tickets sold and yeah you know yeah. The, it's, we, we always talk a lot about narratives mm-hmm. on this podcast and then you know tr- they're already building this narrative of what a great season they had 53 points yeah. first ever home playoff game like this is some m- monumental accomplishment without sort of remembering that the last nine seasons yeah. of you know last year they made the playoffs and got humiliated yeah. in that one playoff yeah. appearance yeah. and we haven't and the thing is is they're doing all the celebratory stuff but it's like we haven't we still haven't accomplished anything very true right like legitimately the the trophy cabinet is bare outside of yeah you know a couple of nothing cups four yeah. team tournaments yeah uh, three team tournaments yeah. you know there's 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 no history to speak of yeah. of this ten this this club and the frustrating thing is that when we always get these turnovers of staff and whatever it's almost as if to them like history is has, is disappeared clean slate yeah it's a clean slate which is for us it's not a clean slate. Yeah. No, we've sat through this and watched this for the last decade, yeah. and uh, you know I don't I don't feel like shooting off fireworks. It's like it's more like finally I'm excited for the game, yeah. 
but it's just like something where it's just like shit just reel it in just a little bit yeah like let's let's do let's do the job first yeah and then we'll celebrate it and it's like okay yeah, yeah. getting in the playoffs in a league where more teams get in the playoffs than yeah. don't yeah. like that's not really i really don't feel like that's something to be and then of course you know finishing where we did with one of the highest payrolls in the league yeah, yeah. i fucking hope so yeah yeah like yeah yeah. No shit. We got fifty three <laughs> points. We got th- you know three most three of the most expensive DPS in the league yeah. up there. You know, only a couple other teams spend like we do. So yeah, no shit. Yeah. Pat myself on the back. <laughs> like way to go. Like it's kind of like anyways. When, when here's the rant I was referring yeah, to. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'm just it's just kind of like bring it down a bit, yeah. and it's like the proof is in the pudding. Let's let's give ourselves a pat on the back if we get to the the semifinals. Yeah, if we get out of this first round. Right. Yeah. Let's yeah. win a fucking playoff game. Yeah. And then we can talk about. It. And even if we honestly, even if we win this playoff game, I'm still not going to be. Way to go! You beat Philadelphia. They suck shit. But when are we gonna? But okay. And I I agree with you. I agree with everything you said. But I will say, when are we gonna forgive? Can we forgive? You can forgive, but you can't forget. Right. But but maybe they're intertwined. Yeah. Right. Because it's not about forgiveness. You know what I so mean? What's it's, it about? Not about, it's not about for, well. Well, you can't forgive the that's past. A, well, that's you, just, that's it. You don't forget. Yeah, you don't forget. Exactly. The, right. You know all the, you know cliches yeah. about the past. I'm just playing right? devil's advocate. If we go along with the narrative, okay, we're back to narrative. So if we go along with the MLSC narrative, which is abhorrent in every facet of narratives, however they can be, but they, I mean, they, clearly their job is to lie to you. <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. is. That's yeah. just what they do. They lie to you. They're gonna lie to you because you're buying season tickets year after year after year after year because you love a team, right? This whole argument's been in happening in the history of football, right? And modern football too, right? What a past means. So, can we not be happy for them, even though we have a history, a shared history of de- depression and disappointment and sadness? Maybe, maybe, even if they lose against Philadelphia, we can still be happy. Maybe. I'm not saying we will be, but at least we got 53 points, and you're right, DPs, all that stuff. But can we can we be happy for one minute that we made it in, in with enough time to spare? And if, if we don't, I mean, maybe if we lose, maybe we won't be happy. Maybe that's being a little too, I'm reaching for the stars here. I want them to be Philadelphia, and they should be Philadelphia. And if they lose, I'll probably be just as angry as you. Well, that and that's the question that I'm seeing passed around. Without starting to cut you off your and finish oh, your right. point, yeah. but that's it. If you know, if win or loss, what you know does that? How greatly does that affect? We talked about that a bit yeah. before, but here's like the question now. Oh, my gut says you affected a big deal. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to be more positive about yeah. it because they're not a very good team. They're a good team, but they're not. You know, it haunts us. It's just the shittiness of this team and how. How we, we are so, like, money is such so intertwined. And if people say it's not, they're fucking liars or they're stupid, whatever. Maybe they're the same thing. But any te- anybody who gives a shit about this team knows that we've been lied to and knows what we want. You know, I would rather have, like, I would rather have an empty stadium, no one chanting, no one screaming, and us make the MLS Cup. I would rather have no fireworks. I'd rather them play on a goddamn bogged pitch. Over in Lambton Park, or where the, where the, you know, Lambton Park, whatever, where Lamport, Lamport, <laughs> Lambton, blah, right? I, I would want these things because I would want, and, and if they go out every game and said, "This is what we're going to do. This is our objective. This is who we are," and it's not happened, and instead, if it's done the opposite, it's always just like 
throw money at it. Big players. Roof. They they, they have the roof yeah, they like like bridge the, to nowhere. Yeah, the and they'll they'll just talk to uh, they, uh, like you know just talk to the camera, say what you're supposed to say, and walk home and go home, and then go away next year to some other bigger team or something else. Right. That's all we've had. We I guess what we're talking about here is we want we want a team that gives a shit and really gives a shit in with with honesty and integrity, and that's what we've never had. So I think I've gone off the point, and I apologize. <laughs> but when talking about rants, yeah, because I think you had you were po- you're asking me. I was trying to play devil's advocate. Yeah, before. And you had a I, you had a point that was sort of about what do you? Oh, would you be happy for the to team if they still lost? Yeah, and and you know, here's the thing that I would say is that I'm always like, I'm happy for the players. I like the like. I kind of separate the organization from yeah. the players. Right, so that's like when you hear me griping, I'm not griping about the players that are like on the field, and the you know Toronto FC, but a lot of times it's like you know I, I got no time for MLSC, the marketing department, the whole spin machine, their media arm, all that crap. So you think you think you, obviously the team? What you're saying is the team wants to win. Yeah, I mean if yeah if the, if the players on the field go out and, and and play good and play well and leave it out there and they lose, I won't rail on them. Yeah. Um, but we have but because you know they're not the ones who are you know putting out these friggin' Instagram posts 53 points <laughs> most ever in the club history way to go like, <laughs> right give me a break right like, but then but then if the players if we want the if, like what you just said but the players haven't been performing to their best capacity have they not since Juvenco like they're not no one is really stepping up like we're still relying on one goddamn player yeah, we have players that sh- we should. I mean, we have a good enough team that we don't have to rely on Giovinco, which is play a little differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, okay, this the Chicago game, we had two wing backs, right? So obviously Vanny's thinking, and I think that's a pretty good. That was it worked on our favor. We probably got caught out a little bit, which is most definitely why Chicago was able to stay in that game. Because I don't. As, I mean, you can tell me better than I can. Can bullshit it is that, you know, we don't play the wing backs very often. You know, Beta Shore, who's on the other side. Moro. Moro, right. So, these we guys try are, it, but it's like, they're, it, they're not, they're not, the fucking crazy thing is they're not wingbacks. No, they're not. They're defenders. Yeah. More, more, more defenders than they are so wingbacks. So, you, you, you're putting them out of position, and then you're putting them in, you're, you're, especially when you look at a beta shore, who's just like, he's not a, he's not that sort of like attacking, creative, you know, wingback, fullback kind of guy. He's just more of like a good defender. Yeah. So to put him in a position where he's he's supposed to be creating chances and linking up and all, it's just well, look at Bradley. It's so painful to watch. I said this on the podcast that I, we never I didn't publish, right? But Bradley's always played out of position in my my opinion. I mean, he they for what two years now he's been like since the beginning he played a strong mid, right? He was an attacking midfielder and he's not doing that. The times where he does that, it's awesome because he runs runs towards the defense, makes passes, thing. But sometimes he's always caught back. Having to defend and help defend, especially well, that's what that—that's what that formation I think relies on, right? Like you see, yes, right. You, you need did say you, they that. need yeah. that they need another person. They need back another there. person, and that's what he—that's well, br- what he brings, right? That's what he brings, but that's not what he should be playing. I mean, I get it. Vanny's got tough decisions to make. He's not going to please everybody, especially me. Yeah, but you gotta, and that's why we got all the money we have. I mean, that's you would guess, you would suppose that's why they brought in an Armando Cooper, right? To to <laughs> fill a, a creative attacking void into a degree. Or to St. Ricketts, mm-hmm. um, where you expect that Jonathan Osorio steps up a bit more. You happy with Armando Cooper? 
Um, I'm sort of like. I didn't. Th- I didn't think he played that good yeah. against Chicago. I think we've seen him have some really good games. I'm a little bit on. I mean, I think I, he's. I think he's useful, but I'm kind of. I think the jury for me is like it's not out yet. Yeah. I still got to see a little bit more sample size. Yeah, he's got to adjust still. Right. Yeah, um, I find that he kind of he's got some some good moments where he you know he gets stuck in. He makes for a small guy surprisingly he gets stuck in. He's good with the ball, he's, you know. Yeah, but sometimes I think he does a little bit too much, you know. Yeah. Wow, well, he's, you know, South American, Central, Central American. Heard me. Yeah, he's not from. He's not from Peru. Peru. He's from Panama. Um, but yeah, I think there's that the they like to move and shimmy and shake, so it's yeah. you know there's got, there's a nice technique, yeah, a nice there. technique there. But he's got to hone it, and I I don't know if it necessarily works so well with this league, but anyway. Um. Can we say anything about this Philadelphia matchup or what we need to do? Maybe to kind of wind this podcast down, saying, like, what needs to happen for Toronto FC? What, what do they need to watch out for? What, what is going to happen to ensure that, you know, we're doing a good podcast on Wednesday night and we're looking forward to doing the next one Sunday and the yeah. following Sunday? Yeah. Well, who, what's, he, what, what, what's Vanny looking at? I think the starting 11 that we had on the weekend... It's definitely another formation. That's the same formation he could look at. You gonna stick with that? Start. You think? I think so. I mean, I don't know how much he's used it because I, if, when he puts four in the back, it's a little too defensive, or you know, it looks a little shakier. I like Bittishore going up. Like, I mean, he started poorly. He's not, you know, he's not a great player. But you know, later in the second half, you know, he charged. Well, even at the end of the first half, we were like, wow, okay. This, I felt it better for him bombing down on the side on the right. And rather than having to, oh, what yeah, do I we do? criticize him, but we should, you know, we should be fair and say that that, you know, both him and Moro had points where we were criticizing them, and also points where they Agreed. they did really well. Yeah. Obviously, Moro scored a yeah. great goal, yeah. so they're, that's true. And they're a mixed bag, right? But um, which is a shame. I mean, that's another critique I have about the team is that they could. They, I mean, also a positive. I mean, they give people chances. Whereas I feel that in other squads, they'd be sitting on the bench and wouldn't be getting any playing time, even for like Seattle or something. But you know, Toronto does 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 give these guys chances, and I think Bettishore plays better on the on going forward yeah. than he does sitting in defense. He gets beat a lot on that right side, right? So maybe the wingbacks would be an ideal thing, and then if it doesn't work out, yeah, switch some things around. But he'll probably go safe. He'll probably go with four. Yeah, back. I I think that diamond for me that's yeah that's what I think he should he he's gonna do and he should do. I don't think it's that worked out so well. It's been okay. I mean, but again, quality trumps the formations. I feel. Because you play, you're playing Juvenco everywhere. I think, He's yeah, everywhere on that pitch. I think you play it safe and you go with the most experience. And with the, the three at the back, we have a Haglin and a Zavaleta. Yeah. You, know, you have two young guys back there who can, when under, put, put under pressure, have both shown to kind of fold yeah. um, or, or make mistakes. Yeah. And I think you want to eliminate that. I think yeah. you want to put your best... Your best eleven players out there, and that I, I think that means he's probably I would probably not put Haglin in, and just do that back four: Betashore, Moore, Savaleta, and Moro. And then if you want to like, if you want to be solid, if you want, you know, even if you want to, from what your point is saying is like, if you do that diamond, then why don't you put Will Johnson in there as the DM, have Bradley as your attacking, and you have Cooper and Osorio in the middle. I, I would like to see um, to Saint Rick start. Oh yeah, I, I think he deserves what to start. over Altidore, perhaps. Perhaps Just get fast, get speedy, score some goals. Too much Josie, like he's he's amazing in that box, but it takes time to get the ball to him. 
you know, and they got to get the, he's got to get service. And sometimes he doesn't get the service he needs. And he mixes it up and he plays, you know, he's, he's, he's a good player. I'm happy with him. But I think Tussain Ricketts has proven time and time again that he's just, he's a menace to that def any defense. And people are scared of him. Like he came, he, he's a super sub, but he came on and already things changed. He was already pressing forward. That's like, let's make, talk about intent. Make that intent. I want to see his two goals up. I want him to play the fastest, speediest, sh shootiest, <laughs> starting. <laughs> get the ball, you know, starting eleven. He can. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that's for this game. That is probably one of the more important points for me. Is that they absolutely cannot come out like we've seen them coming out for the last yeah. six weeks. Yeah. What the, this? We cannot have a tale of two halves. Holy mackerel! Like they need to. They really need to come out with a, a level of intensity from that opening whistle and they can't just go through the if they just if they're going through the motions I mean I'll just be groaning just groaning I mean they really and again when you're playing a team like Philadelphia who've looked so poor I mean their last two games I think they've been shut out both those games 2 nothing, 3 nothing. they've looked so bad of late um, I mean it really it's another it's another opponent like we've had for the last month to really showcase how good we are, and this is this is. I mean, the, you, you shouldn't need any motivation, any more motivation than that. So, it's really going to be something that we're going to see. And then the last thing I wanted to discuss was, of course, we were talking about. It's almost a shame. It's really a shame we didn't get the buy because I really think the club could have used that time to. And I'm I'm kind of like I'm not trying to speak it up both both sides of my mouth, but like to hype this game up at least from a support perspective, I think would have been great. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been really, I think the South End, if they had that extra week, they would have done something really special yeah. and really could have organized themselves. And I, I still, even with that being said, I expect Wednesday night to be something else. Sold out. Um, it's tough. It's a Wednesday night, you know? And I think it's the Raptors season opener. Oh. Yikes. So it, I don't think it's going to be sold out. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be what we saw, like yeah, like mid to high twenties. Um, but I still think that South End, who've since they've, you know, fucking Bill Manning gave them their toys back. Yeah. Oh yeah, because the the players like support. Gee, well maybe we should let them. Have, you know, yeah. it's like give me a like really yeah. like yeah. that's what it took. Yeah. Fucking idiots. Yeah. Anyways, um, and I hope the thing that I hope is that it kind of like spreads around the stadium and it gets contagious in that it's not just them yeah. in the south end cheering and that everyone in the rest of the stadium yeah, has standing yeah. and like there's you know that's been shut out for the last yeah. however many years and it would be nice in a playoff game to really get everyone be the fortress that it used to be because it still has it in it but you know mlsc has really done its job to yeah. really just castrate that, yeah. that mentality it's a family event yeah it's bullshit and it always was a family event it was just you know, we it was an outlet for some some people who like things a little more on the rougher side, and not even in a negative way. You know, standing up and you know that's an argument all over every pitch in Europe and, and any other anywhere around the world. But still, I mean, over here, it's not the culture, but it'd be nice even for like you said for this one game that we're really behind them and make it you know Fortress BMO that it used to be loud and obnoxious. Yeah, and it wasn't and. and it wasn't just the South End. I mean, it was 104, no, it, 104 was, it was 104, 105. Yeah, 110 when I was back in the day. 127, 126. And then it would have gone, I think it was 119, 120, 121 all were standing. Yeah. 
think I've wait. Yeah, it, it went yeah. around the yeah. southwest corner. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. That all those those areas were the ones that were kind of standing up and making a lot of noise. Um, so I think on that Andre, we've covered pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much everything. Um, you know, it's really just now getting to Wednesday night, and hopefully. Wednesday night, so come Thursday morning, there's another episode of the podcast that's looking ahead to New York City FC. Because the other thing I wanted to say was, the good thing about this playoffs is, you know, in one way, playing Philadelphia, I hate Philadelphia. Like, that's an opponent that I want to beat all the time. And I really think that, like, New York City has kind of emerged as kind of a rival for Toronto. Um, We've seen some incredible games against them. You know, the 4-4 draw with Jovinko scoring those amazing goals. And they present an opponent that has shut him out before. So it's, there's going to be there's strategy and tactics that are going to come into play. Um, it's going to be a, you know, it's a chess match. And that's something that we've never been a part of. And we've seen that in the past. You know, a lot of times, mostly in the Western Conference, when there was that L.A., Seattle, yeah. Real Salt Lake kind of triumvirate, where they were all going head-to-head. Um, I think a Toronto, New York City FC round would be something else yeah I mean that's 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 the you know the carrot at the end of the stick right and you put in and, and to say that you put Jovinko up against David Villa yeah but we gotta be Philly first yes that's the scary part because what you've just yeah. described I'm not, yeah, I'm not is trying. amazing and it makes me excited but the team needs to understand that if they're gonna have a, a you know that type of game against NCYC whatever and I can't NYC say FC. New York City FC and just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, it just sure does. And then what they have to do is is really beat Philly again. This is an intent game, and if they they roll over, then then I mean, what? I, I got lots of empty threats. Nothing I can do about it, and just be like, just pout and be really pissed off for a while. But then be like, shrug my shoulders and go, well, this is this is how it is. Yeah. Right. And like you said, this has to be a team. This has to be the real playoffs. Last year was an anomaly almost because yeah, we got in with the new changes. It's okay. Forget about it. Now this is it. This is it. This is where it means everything. Yeah. And especially with this, with the Blue Jays losing, you know, and Toronto, you know, we've been pretty good teams lately in the last few years. So why can't we be a part of that? Get everybody stoked for TFC again. Yeah. There's a bigger picture here, you know, and I think hopefully the the league sees it. I really hope the team sees it, and I hope MLS sees it. Well said, Andre. Well, I'll leave it at that then. Um, people know they can get you. Hey, they can get you at Zatarazny underscore Andre on Twitter. It's will, amazing. Will you play the uh, the other uh, thing? After the podcast? Yeah. yeah, sure. For those of you who are interested in what Andre had to say about the Montreal game, Montreal I did a podcast. Game. I'll do. We'll add it on as a supplement to this episode. Andre talks to himself. I talked to myself for fourteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. and if you and want, I was it, exhausted, so it's everywhere. Okay, so have you listened I, to it? No, I haven't because I, oh. I just had the recorder and then we came and did this. Uh, and, and side note, we're recording this podcast at BMO Tower. BMO Tower. This is, this is what it comes down to because both of us are working and trying to get this taken care of. And then Andre's downtown. I'm like, all right, I'll meet you downtown. We'll do it in the food court at BMO. This is BMO probably Tower. the nicest, uh, nicest place we've done a podcast. I mean, your apartment's amazing. What about my stretching room? And, and your building? stretching room, yes. Did you do the podcast in the elevator bay? No. That was, I think it was Gaffer and Hooligan. <laughs> we went up to the roof, but it started to rain, so we just did it in the elevator bay. That's amazing. Yeah. 
Done over the pretty much. There you go. Done in a lot of places. Cool. Um, and of course, people can get me at Clark RNO. Uh, any questions, comments, corrections? That's a that's a regular regular segment on the pod. Um, yeah, hopefully this is this isn't the last uh, you know last match podcast of the year. And if all goes according to the master plan, uh, we'll be back on Wednesday night. Hopefully posting it Thursday and then looking ahead to the weekend. So I'll leave it at that, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Andre. We'll catch you guys next time. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Get in touch with us. Let us know how you thought the team did. Agree, disagree, it doesn't matter. Also, check out our other podcasts on Red Nation Online. From the Black Hole, Ours is the Fury, in our interview series. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Hey everybody, welcome to Eastside Stand Up. I'm your host, Andre Zadarazny, and we are at 50 points, 50 points, 50 points, the best points in the league. No, that's not true, but best points in Toronto FC's uh, tenure history, and that's great. And next week, if we beat Chicago, then it's 53 points, and we got it going on, and that's great, and that's definitely a positive, and that will, with with the right of a couple of uh, score lines next week, then uh, that will hopefully shoot us to second place. We'll get a buy, but we'll more on that in a second. Um, it was a. I'm sorry this is coming out so late. Just I've been so busy and they had a long weekend. Not that yet was happening. That punk festival in Toronto. And uh, what's amazing is that uh, it, you know spent three days of just going to shows to at the because of the market it's a little dollar, and it was just it was a great time and uh, bittersweet. Some bands were breaking up. Uh, a couple bands, really seminal bands within the scene, um, and with amazing politics, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, Steve Perry is not here. Ian Clark's not here. Steve Perry was dealing stuff with CAUT, so he, he couldn't do it and uh, couldn't be a part of this. And it's now midweek, uh, so so everybody's really busy, and, and Ian is away. So anyway, let's start this off. So 2-2 draw on, uh, I believe, on Sunday. I ran over there after the matinee show uh, at the Coalition and caught the 2-2 draw with Montreal. I don't have any notes. I didn't write any notes. I didn't have anything. I had my crappy flip phone. So I'm basing a lot of this will be kind of patchy. So I apologize. Um, anyway, rainy, rainy, rain at Statsaputo. So there was a lot of horrible wet pitch, a lot of turf being chunked out. You saw that a lot on TV. And But the draw is, is, is still a point. And winning against Chicago and uh, NCYC to at least drop points against cr- the crew of Columbus, um, we have a shot at the buy of the second of second place. And uh, so if you look at the if we look at uh, if we look at the standings, what we've got here 
is um, very tight up top. So Toronto's on 50 points, New York City is, uh, is at 51, and the Red Bulls are 54. Uh, New York will clinch the East. I don't see how they can't because that's math. Uh, and New York City FC, what they if they drop points against the Columbus, they're at 51 points, and we could leapfrog them into second and not have to deal with a uh, early round of, 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 of fixtures. So, and that's great. DC United's in fourth at 46 points. Montreal Impact have clinched uh, at 45 points. They've clinched the uh, the playoffs, which, I, I mean, I personally didn't think they were going to do it. But they did uh, without Didier Drogba against us. And that's a whole bunch of can of worms, which is happy to see. You know, let them implode. Uh, and Philadelphia Union and New England Revolution are at six and seven, respectively. Philly need to win and uh, win it, they have to win. And New England Revolution have to win as well. So I think, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not going to go through all the points. But anyway, if New England, New England and Philly, they're tied at 42. If Satan Philly loses, yada, yada, yada. They will, uh, someone will get through. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, but that's good. So what, what happens is that third played sixth and fourth played fifth, I believe. And we'll get home field advantage anyway. So that makes me happy. Um, and as of this point in the standings. Next. So what we're going to do now is let's go through the game. So what the home field advantage thing, I, I've always kind of said it wasn't, wasn't very important. Um, you know, being a Toronto FC supporter is, you know, for so long, you've kind of have to kind of roll with the punches. Um, and that being said, if Toronto lose the home field advantage, which we won't, but if we had, that would have been okay because it doesn't matter where they play. It doesn't matter, you know, it matters how they play, but what's more important is that we get to the MLS cup and at 50 points now, again, 53 points next week, that shows a progression. And so the number one thing that I would say that that coming back uh, is to, to to the game next week against Chicago is that Giovinco is starting. Giovinco played ninety minutes, and that is so important. We haven't seen him since August, and uh, he had nine shots in this game. And he looked mostly to play from the middle of the pitch, and he was kind of floating to the left, uh, helping Toronto make plays. You know, he started off as with Altidore up front um, as a two, to, two in the front, but he wasn't playing like that at all. He was moving. A lot of movement on the ball and a lot of uh, making plays, and we saw that with the the with the, the, the goal in the second half to tie the game at 2-2. Two, two. Um, uh, he was also, what was also happening was that there was a lot of movement by a lot of players, actually. Armando Cooper, uh, who is Panamanian and... Uh, and shares the same birthday as me, funnily enough. He his movement on the ball was great. He was being credited out a lot by Montreal, so they saw him as a threat. And uh, he was up in that mid with Marky Delgado, as well as Bradley, who's who happens to kind of go, as we've talked about this before, he's going back and forth a lot uh, with the defense. And, you know, I'll, I'll kind of allude to that or talk about that a little later. So I, I just was kind of a little confused. I had this kind of note in my brain called, who's on first, like that Abba Costello routine that you had Bradley and Giovinco moving a lot. And I find that to be good to a degree because they are our best players. And incidentally, this is the first time in a long time, I guess in four or five weeks, maybe longer at that, all their DPs were starting. So Bradley, Giovinco, and Josie Altidore. And that's good. So seeing them healthy and playing together just before the playoffs, that's awesome. And also, I forgot to mention, Giovinco, 90 minutes, top to bottom, 
he'll probably play 90 minutes next week and we're trying to get him into fitness i think i think vanny's is really focused on getting him fit getting him ready to play for the playoffs even that's why i'm hoping if we get second we can miss out on that extra game and geo can train train get all his fitness and training rather than possibly you know where he's more controlled whereas on the pitch who no one never knows um, Altador with, like I said, uh, Gio, Jovinko playing off the right, uh, he was getting a lot of crosses in, a lot of long, long range shots. He hit, uh, he's our free, t- he's our dead ball man, and he hit the crossbar earlier in the first half. You know, it's a shame he didn't get on the board, but that's okay. You know, he set up to St. Ricketts, uh, third, uh, third goal as a TFC player, uh, in the second half, and it was crucial that Ricketts, uh, came on. I noticed because what was happening is that it was crying out near the second, near the end of the second half for someone to, to make a change. And so St. Ricketts is that guy. He's fast. Getting a lot of fast players, your Endos, your Coopers, uh, your Giovinkos. Uh, and just that's what we're really needing. If we got that someone like a Marvel win, like we used to have back in the day on the defensive side, I think that you know getting the fullbacks moving forward and, and pressing, which seems to me what this diamond formation is all about for uh, for for Greg Vanny and trying to push on the ball. Uh, unfortunately, our defensive line, as we saw in the first goal, as I'll get to in a second, uh, it just kind of got a cock, got all cocked up. Uh, Betashore, you know, he's an okay player. I just you know he's not. He's not the greatest, and that's okay. But you know, we need a Stephen Caldwell. We need someone that that is a is a is a is a born leader and someone who has a lot of experience in the defense. And we just can't have forward players all the time. And that's what TFC and MLSE tend to purchase and and, and to sell to the to, to sell the, to the audience. And uh, you know, being a defender is not a glorious job, but it's it's crucial, especially when you're you know. Your team like Toronto, who is always pushing forward, trying to score goals, and and are you know the counterattack, we're open to that. So Gio is you know playing ninety minutes is a total a plus. And then on the flip side with Montreal, Ignacio Piatti, you know this is a guy who's now on seventeen goals, I believe, and you know scaring, scoring a brace, one out of open play and one out of a out of a, a penalty in this game. You know Toronto couldn't stop him. They didn't crowd him out. They let him play. You know. And the 19th minute in the first half, you know, Marky Delgado sitting back, trying to play, help the defense, and uh, he gets beat. And then Betashore gets beat and, and drops, you know, drops a knee. And um, he couldn't do anything about it. Piatti just takes a screamer, scores it in the top right-hand corner of Irwin's goal. And Irwin had a good game. You know, he's, he, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Bono fan, so, but, uh, you know, what are you going to do? So um, I also noticed that, you know, Letting Piatti play allowed him to to be a constant threat, and there was no crowding out, like I said. So I don't know what that was about. You know, Amanda Cooper was being crowded out by Montreal. Giovinco was being crowded out by Montreal. Um, so, but Piatti made us pay in that first half, and in the second with the penalty, um, we tied the game up in ten minutes in the second half with the. Uh, with a nice moral cross off the left into the path of Josie, and uh, which he got a bit fortuitous, let's be honest. He tangled with the ball, and it just popped it in the net. The goal's a goal, and that's great for Josie. He's big, he's strong, he gets in there, you know, he's he's somehow can just jimmy himself through a lot of players, even with his big frame, and, and, and pop, pop his goals in. I love his control, 
and he made Montreal's defense look goofy. You know, like cool. You know, the, the the two defenders couldn't figure out who, who to kick it out. It was such a dangerous place to have the ball, and uh, and the goal, their goalie their goalie uh, looked lost. In the 55 minute, a bit of controversy with Mancuso, uh, the forward for Montreal. He looks like he gets gets hacked in the box before he before he goes down, and uh, but that's how the ref saw it. I didn't think. I mean, there was some contact, but I'm not sure if it was that bad. Uh, Osario, what I love to see was he getting in Mancuso's face, and uh, you know I can only assume that it was him calling him calling Mancuso a, a, a diver and and you know a cheat. But you want to see that. You want to see that with your with your players uh, getting in a, in the opposing opposing team, even if it's Montreal. You know, I sometimes I feel like this Montreal rivalry rivalry, even in with hockey, it's not it's not manufactured, but with with the football, I think it's a little manufactured. I don't think it's the same passions that you know the, the Canadians have against the Leafs historically. But anyway, it's good to kind of kind of stoke those fires and make it uh, you know make it uh, the rivalry that it, we want it to be. Um, so, Irwin, uh, sorry, um, uh, Piatti puts it in just out of reach of Irwin. Uh, the announcer is saying that Irwin didn't have a chance on it. I disagree. It was, Irwin went on the right, it went on the left, dove on the left, and and he, uh, he almost had it. He almost had it, but it was a really well taken uh, penalty kick by Piatti. I mean, he was hot, man. And like seventeen goals, like he's getting up there. In, in terms of the goals, uh, you know, and it's a it's tight race up there. I mean, there's one more goal, one more rather game. So, you know, I think, uh, I don't think he's going to do it, but you got to watch out for someone like him. And Montreal's in the playoffs now. If Drogba doesn't play, then, you know, Piatti's the kind of guy that they're going to look to. Um, in the end, uh, oh, sorry, rather, in the 86th minute, so it's Altidore that uh, chests down Giovinco's cross off the left, and, um, and Ricketts scores the goal. Great goal. You know, Ricketts again pops out of nowhere. Yeah, I think he came on in seventy fifth minute, seventy sixth. Puts it in there. Wonderful. It's great. And with NCYC losing against DC, hopefully that uh, you know on that uh, last weekend, hopefully that's kind of a, uh, kind of will show that NCYC are fallible and they can they'll lose their game against Columbus. And I'm really hope I hope, really hope that's going to happen. Um, so I would have taken three points out of this game, but defensively Toronto still needs to sort themselves out. Bradley helping out takes kind of the quality out of his own game, and I think that it's that's important to have him as the powerful, the powerful, powerful midfielder that he is. You know, he's he's a beast. When he first started playing for Toronto a few years ago, I mean, I noticed that he was just, just so powerful in the ball, pushed forward. That could have been with his time you know, coming from Roma, but. That's I feel like that's kind of been trained out of him, and they're trying to make him more of a finesse player. And he's an, I, he's not a finesse player. He is a guy that can make plays and he's got a good eye. And I don't think he's a defender either. And pushing him back, he's half the time playing as a defender. I just get the right guys in, get the right guys in the back four, and make it happen. And you're not going to have to worry about that. You need you know I, you want your players defending. And I understand that, but I think they need to be a cohesive unit. And Bradley's talents are lost by pushing back and forth. And he's not that fast. He's a fast player. I mean, he's obviously fit. But, you know, just play him to his strengths. And I understand how coaches don't play guys to their strengths. You know, you don't put square pegs in round holes to use an overused cliche. You just have to, you know, ask them, what do you play? How do you play? You obviously should watch these guys play. Play to their strengths. Get guys. Don't try to get a player and then 
you know, oh, we're going to put you on the left when you're a right player. Oh, you're a, you're generally a fullback. Uh, we're going to put you a fullback on the right. We're going to put you on the left or put you as a center back. I, I don't get it. I understand if you're tight with players and you need rather, you know, you only have so many people that you can put. But, you know, just in this case, my point is, is Bradley needs to play the position that he should be playing. And that's generally number 10 and someone that can just you know, pop, 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 make passes and, and make the, the game flow for Toronto. But again, we've kind of made that up with speed and um, tactical and like agility. And so getting fast players can, you know, it seems to be working enough. Um, Toronto were unlucky not to score a few and defensively, you know, we shouldn't be worried. Like I've said, defensively, we did okay. We didn't do horribly. The Piatti thing, the goal, first goal could have been defended better. But, you know, they've been working. You can see that with a lot of crosses that Montreal were putting out. And the, and um, Toronto were, you know, heading the balls left and right, getting it out of the box. And that was that was excellent. I thought that was really good. And uh, hopefully they're working on a lot of stuff for the next game against Chicago and then for the playoffs. Um I think that's it. I'm going to do one, like a sight and sound was the Italian atmosphere at Stadio Saputo. I thought that was really great. You know, do a lot of chanting, a lot of chanting of the player who scores, in this case, Piatti, which you see, you hear a lot, or if you watch Italian football, you see that a lot. So um, I thought that was great. I've never been there. Uh, I like to visit one day, but the TFC allocation uh, seems to be smaller. There wasn't a lot of TFC fans. It looked like there was maybe two or 300, which is still good and great. And it's good to see. I mean, this again, I think this is kind of a manufactured uh, thing by the league. I mean, I mean, I don't know how getting Montreal in and to itself is not necessarily a manufactured kind of environment for Toronto but uh, or for the league. But I will say that, you know, you want to have as many TFC player, uh, fans out there as possible. Um, but it, again, it waxes and wanes. We saw what happened with Columbus. So, you know, I'd go to the games at the O and there was, I don't know, a thousand of us, I think at one point. It's been a while, but a thousand, eight hundred people. And that was great. And it's getting a little smaller, but who knows? There's probably a backstory to that that I'm not aware of. Anyway, I think that's it. That was, uh, that's very, very quick, quick and painless. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, you can, Kind of tweet me or if you want at Zadarozny underscore Andre at, on Twitter. Get a hold of Ian. You know all the details if you listen to this regularly. Uh, Clark Arno and uh, Steve Perry. Uh, listen to him on CAUT. And that's it. Thanks very much for listening and I'll talk to you later. Bye.